All right. There may or may not be music to this. Um, we have a buddy of ours working on some music, so we're pretty excited about the new music. I told Josh what it kind of sounds like, but we're, we're not there yet. He hasn't heard it. Hopefully it's on this one. If not, it'll be the next one. We're sorry we had the little layover, as you would say, but we're going to pick up where we left off because we had some mechanical failures on us. So when we left you, we now have Graham playing Radford and Riverhead playing Pocosin. With that, I picked Graham because I thought there was no way Graham was going to lay down and die. And I'm pretty sure Josh. Yeah, I picked Graham too. I picked Graham too. Um, so, yeah, happy to be back in the um, nice, fine um, <laughs> Fort Chapman <laughs> studios. Um, and uh, happy to be talking about some sports again. Um, yeah, so we, we both picked Graham. We are, but at the same time, and this is not to say that you know we're we hedged our bets, but at the same time we, we both talked about how Radford at any point in time could beat anyone in the state. And you you once we picked up on Radford because we were heavy on Riverhead. We once were. you picked up on Radford. We, I started seeing it. We started talking about it a little bit more. Um, right, and, and we talked about, you know, we talked about going into the Graham game that there was one defense that gave Graham the biggest problems all year long, and that was the biggest problems with Ty Dress. Yes. And that defense was Virginia High. And Virginia High ran a 3-3 stack, and we talked about how in that 3-3 stack, if you don't know what that is, think about uh, WVU a few years ago with their defensive coordinator that went to NC State, right? Um, he ran a 3-3 stack. If you were to take a 3-3 stack and throw it back 25 or 30 years, you would say um, it's a 53 defense. Um, morph that into the modern game, and it's a 3-3 stack with – drop in to outside linebackers. And that really gave Graham problems. Graham scored 21 points. They beat Virginia 21 to 7. Um, it was tough. Well, Radford runs a 3-3 stack. And we said, if there was a game plan out there in the in the ether, in, in, in the, you know, the cloud, it was that 3-3 stack. And Radford runs a 3-3 stack. And what did it do to Graham's offense? It bottled it up. Mm -hmm. The other thing that we talked about going into the Radford-Graham game was Radford's quarterback scrambles. Graham will have to keep him contained. bottled up, contained inside the pocket because if he breaks free or is able to scramble around and Graham is not able to get to him with the pressure that they create – he is able to he, he would be able to make plays down the field. And that you know, that was 
a recipe for success or disaster, whoever whoever you're pulling for in that game. Because Graham's defense, their defensive backs, um, can get caught looking into the backfield, and they can give up big plays. So they're susceptible to that part. Um, that's basically what happened in that in that Radford game. Yeah, Todd Dress didn't have a big game, and their quarterback, Blacksburg's quarterback, did. Radford's quarterback. Radford, Blacksburg. Sorry, Radford's quarterback. They played did. in Blacksburg. Yes. Um, you know, and that kid is a is a really good athlete, and we talked you know talked about some of his mechanical. Um, downfalls, but at the at the end of the day, you know, the best athlete on the field was Radford's quarterback. Was Radford's quarterback, and that was that's just what it came down to. The other thing is Graham. There were some plays in that Graham game where Graham had wide receivers running free, but it's like their quarterback kind of got locked into throwing it to one guy. Yes. And Radford was like, well, if you're going to throw it to one guy, we're in a 3-3 stack, so that only leaves us with three true DBs, two two corners that are going to drop into deep thirds and a safety that's going to play in the middle. They're going to play cover three most of the time. And Radford just basically said, well, if you're only going to throw it to one guy, we're going to cheat to that guy because we're not, you know, we're not dumb. Yeah. Um, if you're going to do that, we'll just cheat over there and see if you won't do that. Well, there are a couple times where Graham's throwing into double coverage and you've got a kid on the backside away from, you know, away from where the ball's going that's one-on-one or just kind of running scot-free because they've high-load a, a corner on the backside and he's stuck in no man's land. Well, it didn't matter because they're only looking at one person. So Right. Maybe that corner on the backside was like, he ain't throwing it over here, so I'm just, I'm just playing. Um, maybe that's why it looked the way it did. But there were some things that, um, you know, the grand players I don't think adjusted well to, and, and one of those was, don't throw it into double coverage. You know your matchups. Right. Read a defense a little bit and and see, see where your one on one is. And that didn't happen. And that was also something that Graham didn't deal with all year long. And it, it ended up biting him. And then we go to the other side. Not much to talk about on that one. Riverhead, Pocosin. Pocosin's starting quarterback goes down. And Riverhead took full advantage of that. Absolutely took full advantage of it. And they, they did what Riverhead normally does over the past 10 years. Which is grind you down and, and score, and and then make you become extremely efficient offensively. And Pocosin couldn't keep up. And if if I remember correctly, you told us that Pocosin would look similar to to Riverhead, and they did. Yes, they. Yeah. And, and given the fact that you know Pocosin's Pocosin is you know kind of mirror imaged with Riverheads. If you can't keep up, you can't keep up. You can't keep up. No. Um, there's not an adjustment to be made. Yes. Right. The other thing is when, you know, 
you see all of these modern offenses, right? So we call it the spread, but let's just call it a normal offense. You see all of this stuff, and then you see the wing T, and you think, well, that's that's kind of an outlier. Mm-hmm. Um, when I worked in the recruiting office at the University of Tennessee, we saw wing T teams all over the place. Most of the bigger schools that were really successful over a long period of time were wing T teams. Right. It's kind of kind of funny, but at the same time. If you're a wing T team, you're expecting to catch people off guard by it mm-hmm. until you run into a wing T team. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's kind of like, all right, well, they know how to play defense against us. Hopefully we know how to play defense against them. And it, it just becomes a you know, a Jimmy's and Joe's right. kind of thing at that point. Because the X's and O's are the same. Then we move into the championship game, Riverheads. Facing off against Radford, Bouncy Blacksburg again, um, and it was it was clear across the board here. We were both taking Riverheads, right? We and why wouldn't we? I mean, they've only won seven straight state championship games. Even though it was single A, it didn't matter. They made it to the double A state championship. Game. But when they come into double A, everybody was saying they're not going to do it, and they did. Right. Well, they didn't win the state title. That would have been foreshadowed. No, they made it to yeah. But they made it. They made it to the state championship game, um, and for the first time in seven years or eight years, however long it was, it was with with Riverheads. They're the ones who made the mistakes. Yes. Um, there was a there was an opportunity in that game when it was I think twenty four to seventeen or something like that. 24 to 14, where Riverheads got a stop on fourth down, uh, got a big gainer from um, from Triple C, and um, on the next play they fumbled it at the 50 yard line. And um, one play later, I think Radford hit a hit a long ball down the sideline. Kid caught it one on one, and it kind of broke their back, or maybe it was. 17 to 14. Right. And, and it made it 24 to 14. Um, so that was the, that was the, those were the things that ended up happening to, uh, to Riverheads. And, and Riverheads didn't lose that game. Radford certainly won it. When you, Riverheads comes out and scores early. Uh, and, and Radford turns it over. Kudos to those kids for kind of saying, we, we're confident enough to, if we make mistakes, we're not going to let up. We're going to put on more steam. Um, so, you know, congratulations to Radford. It's their first state championship since 1972. Yes. So kudos to, to them. They, they've won state championships in just about every other sport but football over the past 30 years. And they... They brought one home to the independent city of Radford. <laughs> then, um, as we're sitting here and going through in our, our agenda that I did not type up, we talked about, didn't type up. We had the fighting Shane Allens oh, man. coming to Holnaker, and there was a rant that was involved in that that didn't get recorded. Oh, yeah. Josh great. is so upset about that. Yeah, it felt like Pat McAfee going on. <laughs> 
So, so George Wynn comes in, faces Homemaker. We both believe that Homemaker's the better team. Josh, I'll let him explain. Um, he took the fighting Shane Allens. But I took the fighting Shane Allens for a whole different reason. And it was the PA addresser. Um, I'm not going to go into the big rant like I did, but you, you, you can give love to your team, but there's a time that you go way overboard. And you can't call out officials and things like that, which was being done because you can hear them on NFHS. So I took the fighting Shane Allen for that, but I still believe overall that Honeaker was the better team in single A overall. But when George Wyth showed up, they showed out. Well, okay, so I think that Honeaker was the better team as well, even though we didn't take Honeaker. We, no, we, we didn't. We took Galax for two, two different reasons. But I'll, I'll say this. Were the New England Patriots, when they were undefeated? No, the Giants were not the better team. The better team. They were the better team. The Patriots were the better team. They lost right. that. They lost the Super Bowl. Yeah. But they were the better team. Yeah. When Kentucky was undefeated, the only basketball team that went undefeated other than Indiana, the only difference was Indiana won the national championship. Kentucky lost it, or they lost in the national semifinals. Yeah. Um, Kentucky's the best basketball team in, in college basketball that year. No one would argue that point. That doesn't, that doesn't mean that you win the national championship. No. no. Um, I think Georgia was the best football team in college football this past year. Agree. They didn't even get a chance. To prove it. To win their third straight because they lost one game. And they lost it at the wrong time, which I think is just a joke. That's a different story. Honeaker was the best football team in Southwest Virginia single A. Galax was the best team tournament time. And, and he they, said Galax, not George Wythe. I messed up. Galax was the best team. Um, you know, they were they got hot. They probably weren't the best team overall. And I bet you if they played Honeaker ten times, Honeaker wins seven out of ten. Well, they um, they came in as what the five five or six seed. Mm-hmm. They they traveled every single game. Yeah. So they come in, they, they, they won because they won, and they won the way they had won all the other games with good solid defense and efficient offense. Yep. And they hadn't been an efficient offensive team all year long. No, and the first five games were treacherous, and then they kicked it on midseason. Uh, then you had, who were the two teams? Essex. Essex. And Galax. And oh, who did Essex play? Alta Vista. Yeah. In that game, I chose Alta Vista because they had a cool name, but we both believed that Essex was going to make it, and right. Essex did. Yeah, and, and we said this was the opportunity for these two schools to play in this game. Um, without Riverheads. Without Riverheads. So I chose Essex in this game because Alta Vista had, had finally gotten to the uh, state semifinals. Yes. Uh, for the first time because they didn't have to play Riverhead. So this was their first state semifinal game. This is not Essex's first state semifinal game in the past five years. This is like their third. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, 
Alta Vista got over the hump. Now Essex is going to get over their hump. It just happened to be, you know, at the next level. And that was a good tight game. It, it was a good tight game, and they're they're mirror images of each other. Um, and Essex. Essex is not a team that scores a ton of points, and and Alta Vista wasn't a team that scored a ton of points throughout the year um, either. And um, you know, it was just at that point you got to go with some experience. Yes. And, and Essex proved that their experience was what put them over the over the top. And then, if you want us to get hype, you turn on a football game going into the fourth quarter. It's four to six. Yeah, it was. The final score was seven six. The final score was seven six in the single A state championship game. And you gave so, them two safeties. So, so yeah, you win seven to six, and everyone would say, "Man, someone went for two at the end and didn't make it." Right? Yeah, because you'd say there was a score with no time left. Right. And the team won seven to six. And you would say, so they scored a touchdown with no time left and then went for two and lost. But no, the last play of the game was a field goal for the team and, and for a team to get to seven. So they had four at one point. It was six to nothing in the first quarter. It was six to nothing in the second quarter. It was six to nothing in the third quarter. Then it was six to two in the fourth quarter. And I didn't get to watch the game, and, and this is my genuine reaction to to keeping up with everything, um, everything that was happening at the time. I told my dad, six to nothing, Essex, six to two. I was like, I bet that Essex was going to punt, and they just ran it out the back of the end zone because it'd been the fourth quarter for a while. Right. Um, that's not what happened. So it's six to two, and then it was. It popped up on my screen six to four, and I was like, "What in the world is happening?" I went, "I think there's been two safeties." And I told my dad, "I was like, I think there's two safeties," <laughs> and I was scouring through everything, and sure enough, there's two safeties at six to four, and then the final score popped up there at seven to six. And I was like, "Oh man, they kicked a field goal to win it. They won seven to six and scored three times." Galax scored. They actually scored once. No. Galax gave them the other two. Yeah, well, I mean, they, or not they Galax, had, but yeah, Essex. But Essex. they still had three scoring plays yes. and scored seven points. Yeah. It's the most unbelievable thing. And not only that, the field goal at the end of the game was a doinker. <laughs> it doinked off the, off the crossbar and then flipped over. It Man. was Like, you want to talk about your offense put Three points on the board and won seven to six. And that's the why, defense outscored the offense. That's why you have defense. Well, they say def- defense wins championships. And there you go. Well, congratulations to. I mean, uh, they outscored the offense. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations to Shane Allen uh, for getting over that hump and getting him a state title. Uh, anxious to see what the fighting Shane Allens do next year. That's your new name. Um, I can't even remember what you are. The Maroon Tide. Maroon Tide, yeah. George with the Maroons, and you're the Maroon Tide. So. Right. Shane Allen sounds better. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped about Shane winning a state championship. Yeah, he deserves yeah, it. He deserves it. 
Yeah, what a what a you know what a good football coach. Yes. Um, let's move in really quick to mid-season again. It's almost the end of the season for us. Um, boys basketball. We're going to talk about boys and girls really quick. The one good thing is we recorded, which the system did not, and I'm glad it didn't because our picks were kind of on and kind of off. With Southwest Virginia – Standing-wise, and I'm guessing weather has to play into this because we talked about this the other day. You have V-High at 14-4, 6-0 in the conference. Graham at 11-4, 4-1 in the conference. Um, as we record this, they play Richlands tonight at Richlands. Marion is 12-7, 1-3 in the conference. The Dogs are 2-14, one and four in the conference that only win coming to the Blue Tornado. And the Blue Tornado are seven and nine and oh and four in the conference. What what's your take on Southwest Boys basketball? Well, to a certain extent it's it's gone the way we thought it would go. I when we originally recorded recorded everything, I, you know, I picked Graham. On the boys' side. I think we um, both did. Yeah, I think we both picked Graham. I did say that the second best team in the in the district would be Virginia High. Uh, Virginia High, you know, had some momentum coming off of last year going um, with their season last year. So uh, not being not being the Southwest or Southwest District or Southwest Virginia basketball kind of guru. Um, I kind of went with chalk on it and kind of played that's kind of played itself out right now. Virginia High and Graham are the two top teams. And you know, I we said at the very at the very onset that Tazel and Richlands would battle it out in the pigtail game going into the tournament. So really quick, just to make sure that I'm I'm Correct. Lebanon doesn't come onto the schedule till next year, correct? Yeah. Because it still says they're in the Hogahibi. I, I know. And I just I don't I don't think that I just don't think that the DHSL has updated all of that. If because they were on our schedule in football and they were on you know, they were part of the Southwest District um, in football. Maybe basketball is a their two-year cycle is different, um, but we all, you know, I talked about Lebanon coming up from single A and how they had a, they've got good athletes and they played really good basketball the last two years, and I, I wasn't quite sure what they would look like this year given the fact that you know the Hertig, Hertig kid had had graduated and and moved on and all that sort of stuff, and, and they had lost some of their athletes that were also baseball players and a part of that state championship team in baseball. So I, I was wondering how they would handle coming to double eight. They've done, they've done decent. Um, they've got a good record and, um, they're 11 and five. Yeah. They're 11 and five. And, and, you know, it still doesn't change the fact that Tazel and Richlands are the pigtail game. No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> 
And, um, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. They play each other. If this gets out and you listen to this on Friday uh, the 2nd, they played a, they'll play that night at 7 o'clock at Tazewell. So if you're listening to it on Friday the 2nd, if we get it out, um, go watch Tazewell Richlands and see what happens. Um, it was a very heated game in Richlands. Suspect it'll be the same coming to Tazewell because some bad blood sitting in Richlands' mouth. They're 7-9 and nine and we're 2-14. and 14. So let's switch over and do the boys of the Mountain 7. So this was inter- This was a good discussion between you and I because, um, you know, you, in, in the Mountain 7 you got Abingdon, who's the, you know, triple-A Correct. outlier. Um, and then you've got a core of kids returning from Gate City and some, some good athletes that were returning and some younger kids that were coming up in Ridgeview. Yes. Um, and we kind of went back and forth on, on Ridgeview, Union, and, and Union's still in, in the mix. They were pretty young. Uh, Union and Gate City, well, I think I'd gone with Ridgeview originally, so I felt like they had more, more skill returning, although Gate City was certainly going to be in the mix. It's weird in in basketball because you don't get that many games that are played over a lot longer period of time, and it's just so discombobulated. You only get 20, 21 regular season games. Right. And, you know, right now some teams have played 18 games and some teams have played 14 games. So, well, I mean, you know, it's weird. It's weird right now, but ratings-wise, Gate City – is number one. Is number one. So that puts the Blue Devils at eleven and three. There's your third fourteen games. They're eight right. and zero oh in the conference. Abington is ten and ten, six and three in the conference. Central nine and ten, five and three in the conference. Union ten and seven, five and three in the conference. Ridgeview eight and six, four and four in the conference. Battle four and fourteen. Uh, I was totally wrong there. Uh, one and eight in the conference, and Lee is two and thirteen, zero oh and eight in the conference. Last night, Battle View played each other, and View beat them on a half court shot. I know that I, was crazy. I was trying. I've been trying to keep up with basketball uh, this year because I'm not officiating basketball like I did the previous few years, and uh, yeah, I saw that on WCYB. Yeah, so. Um, I did not – Josh had Gate City up there. I didn't think they would be number one. Um, I mean, because those guys are gone. But there they are. They're sitting at number one. But they're 11-3, and three, right? So they played yeah. four, They played 14 games. Right. Um, where was, everyone else has played 17, 18, 19, with 20 Abington games. And Central, or, yeah, Abington and Central sitting at 20 and 19 games played. Which is weird because Gate City's they're eight and zero in, in conference know, play. In, in conference play, so you know they played a decent amount of their conference schedule. They're rated higher, but if you're going to do like games back and all that sort of stuff, that you know if you're one game back and you've already you've played more games than they have, you're probably 
ahead of them per se because Kansas City hadn't played as many games. Right. So they've got to they've got to play out the rest of their schedule. That's what the first two weeks in February are about. Some teams get bogged down in trying to get makeup games and you know conference makeup games in, and sometimes that can that can wear on a team, and you, you get a team that shouldn't shouldn't win, and they do because the other teams playing you know three games that week, yeah, and the other teams playing one because they've only got one game left, like Abingdon. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how the next two weeks play out going into the district in the Mount Seven. Let's head over to the girls really quick. Um, we have V High at nine and eight, six and zero in Southwest District play. Graham six and ten, three and two. Marion seven and four, one and one. Richlands at eight and eight, one and four. And Tazewell one and fourteen, zero oh and four in the conference. As we're seeing in Southwest District play, there's something totally going wrong when it comes to Tazewell and Richlands basketball on both sides at this time. But when it comes to the girls, I'm, I believe I picked uh, Graham to be number one with Mary in two and V High coming in at third. And I'm yeah, pretty I, sure you picked V High. I took V High, Mary, and then Graham. Yeah. Um, mainly because I just, you know, given, given the history and everything that was going on and knowing, enough, and knowing enough about Virginia High and Graham and, you know, the Mosses in Marion, uh, basically, I, I based everything off of my prior knowledge. And Virginia High, like a lot of times in the Southwest District, they're, and this has been kind of perennial over the past five years, they don't have great overall records right? Um, because they're not necessarily the best teams in the area, but they're, they're good inside the district. Yes. Um, so. And then when it comes to Mountain 7, um, Josh knocked this one right on the head. Wise is 14-4, and 8-0 in the conference. Abingdon 16-4, and 7-2 and in the conference. thing about Abingdon is they had a couple of transfers, and the Trivet kid from Richlands that was a freshman last year transferred to Abingdon. So that's – when we, we start talking a little bit more, that's why I chose Abington over Wise. Ridgeview twelve and three, seven and two in the conference. Gate City five and eight, five and three in the conference. Battle five and thirteen, two and eight. Union six and eleven, one and seven. And Lee fourteen and eleven and one and eight in the conference. I think Josh nailed this one on the head when we recorded with the girls. Uh, he he picked Wise and Wise is sitting pretty. Well, as good as the as good as Abington. Is, I mean the McCamus girl. She's 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 better, right? And um, Central has a proven track record over the years with girls basketball. Um, if anyone said who's the best, who's the best girls basketball program west of Roanoke over the past twenty years, you'd be hard pressed to find someone say anyone other than Central. And that, that goes back further than Central. It goes back to J.J. Kelly. Wise, the town of Wise, and the high school that it is, the high school that represents the town of Wise has had the best girls basketball program. 
that if you said who are the best football programs in Southwest Virginia over the you know in history, you'd say you know Appalachia and Powell Valley, and you know you'd probably say like you'd give a Gate City in there. You would talk about teams like that. Um, if you if you did that with girls basketball, JJ Kelly would would certainly pop up. Gotcha. Um, so they have a history of being the best, and they've got the best girls basketball player in Southwest Virginia on their on their basketball team. And you know, I've always said if if you have a girls basketball team with one or two girls that can dribble, run, and jump, you you're going to be tough to handle. And the McCamus girl does more than just that. She's she's a basketball dynamo on the court. Gotcha. Now we're going to flip over to something that Josh is really eager and excited to talk about, and that's college basketball. So we're going to just touch on these right now. Um, we don't want to keep you too long. The ACC. Who's going to be your – Right now, quick rundown of standings, um, Louisville's last, but it's Carolina, Duke, Yuva, Florida State, NC State, Wake, Syracuse, Miami, Virginia Tech, Clemson, BC, Pitt, GT, Notre Dame, and Louisville finishing it out. Do you see the staying, or who, who do you choose out of this? Well, so we have a – Gigantic game Saturday at 6.30. <laughs> My house will be crazy. On ESPN, right? Yeah. 6.30 ESPN. If you're out eating dinner with your wife, try not to look at your phone. Bet you will. <laughs> well, Bet you will. Well, Bet if, you will. If we're out to eat, it's going to be either at her mom's house or her house, and there's going to be game day food because that's what's going to happen. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The Here's the funny thing. Okay, so let's just talk about what happened in college basketball Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Um, so Duke plays Virginia Tech, and they they scrape by. Yeah. They scrape by. Virginia Tech had a bad shooting night. Duke scrapes by. Tennessee plays South Carolina at Tennessee. South Carolina wins. Then – at the exact same time, UNC, who's undefeated in the ACC, is playing Georgia Tech. Yes. And they get beat. Yes. Kentucky last night plays Florida at home and gets beat in overtime. So who's playing Saturday? Duke and UNC. Tennessee, Tennessee and Kentucky. Kentucky. So do you think that three of those four teams – are they were looking ahead and got beat. Oh, guarantee um, it. They got beat. And you're talking about the top of the ACC. I mean, UNC was undefeated going to Virginia or going to Georgia Tech, who's 9 and 11 um, and has played decent basketball but not great. Um, the other thing is you know, Carol Carolina's always always going to lose a game in the ACC that we shouldn't. Yeah, well, welcome to college basketball. 
Right, but I mean, everybody was hyped up on the streak. There's a point we're going to lose, and it's not going to be to who you think it should be. Yeah, well, I mean, Tennessee losing to South Carolina at home. South Carolina's 18-3. and But you still expecting Tennessee to win at home because it's so hard to win on the road. Right. Which is why, while it's it was probably inexcusable in UNC fans' view to lose at Georgia Tech, mm-hmm. it's still really hard to win on the road. Yes. In college basketball. So, you know, win or lose, win or lose on um, – Saturday between Duke and UNC. UNC is still going to be a top of the ACC. But if I'm a if I'm a odds maker, if I'm a betting person, I want to take UNC just because it's just so hard to win on the road, irregardless of Duke UNC. And that game's played in the Dean Dome. Yes, so that's why I'm taking UNC because it's just it's just really hard to win. Well, I'm hoping this season's like the season with Hansborough that Baycott and RJ just have enough steam to get us over Duke three times. Because we're probably lining up to play each other in the tournament. Um, don't want to win the tournament. If you're a Tar Heel fan, you've never won the ACC tournament and the national championship. So don't really care about the ACC tournament. I know that hurts some of y'all's feelings if you're a Tar Heel fan. Don't care about it. Want to win the Natty, and I think this team is poised to do it. Not last year at all. They were not cohesive. This team is a different team, and I think they can do it if they keep their heads straight. Well, here's here's the thing about the regular season in college basketball is it means a lot, but it's really just seeding everyone out at this point. Like, UNC's not going to miss the tournament. Not now. It's just a matter of, like, where, where are they going to be in the tournament? Like, yeah. um, I was talking about this earlier today. Kansas, right now, like they're sitting in a situation where if they don't, if they don't start playing better, they might be a three or a four seed. Would be great. Yeah, but do you want to be the two seed that has Kansas as, as the three seed? Right. Like, that's not who I want to play. Like, I'd rather Kansas be another two seed and not even be where I am. Yeah. You know, you don't – like, some of these teams, just kind of like last year with, with Duke and their seeding, they, I think they were underseeded, which meant Tennessee and Duke met in the, you know, Sweet 16, uh, which was – yeah, that's a that's a tough matchup. It was tough for it was probably, I mean, it was going to be really tough for Tennessee. Tennessee pulled it out, beat them, but you know you get these weird these weird scenarios where teams go through slumps. Yeah. Where they have or they have like road games back to back and they lose two in a row and they don't play well and they get seeded low. Like, you know. Well, since we're talking about it, let's talk about the Tennessee Kentucky game. Um. Really quick, in the SEC, you have Bama, uh, South Carolina, Auburn, Tennessee, Ole Miss, Kentucky, Florida, Georgia, the Aggies, LSU, Mississippi State, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, and Missouri. And as you said, right now we're looking at who plays on Saturday. 
and that's Tennessee, Kentucky. As a mountaineer, I know I just said I'm a Tar Heel. I married into a Tar Heel family. I'm a mountaineer. As a mountaineer, I can't stand Calipari because he took Toshibwe away, and now Trey Mitchell's there. Um, I don't like this whole moving, so there's no loyalty to WVU, so there's no loyalty to you. So when this game comes around, I'm picking Tennessee not just because of that. I don't think Calipari can keep cohesiveness with his teams because of this new NIL. Well, they they dropped a game against a uh, top 40 net Florida team, which, you know, going into the game, Florida was around 50, had a couple of wins, beat Georgia, moved into the top 40 in the net. I think they're 39 going into last night. Um, so it was a, a quad two game for Kentucky against a, a, a Florida team that they should beat at home, um, much like Tennessee, because South Carolina was like a net 36 going into to their game. So another quad two game at home that you that you expect to win. Right. Um, so Kentucky had Kentucky had the game, you know, in hand, and Florida got hot. Kentucky didn't guard well and um, gave up a lot of transition threes, um, a lot of transition threes to Florida um, in the second half. And Florida came back, tied it, went into overtime, and Florida pulled away, uh, pulled away in overtime and, and won. And you're sitting there going, oh, man. As a Tennessee fan, I'm sitting there going, oh, great. Kentucky plays us at home. Are they going to lose after two? After a loss. After a loss. Are they going to lose two home games in a row? It's hard enough to win on the road. Well, it's going to be doubly hard to beat a team that's already lost at home. The probability, like, if you start doing the math in your head, what's the probability of Kentucky, a top a top 10, top 30 net basketball team, that's um, Ken Palm, top 20, losing two home games in a row? Well, I mean – the thing is, you lost an overtime to, to Texas A&M, mm-hmm. then you lose to South Carolina, and then you lose to Florida. Um, and it was like, lose, win two games, lose, win, lose. I think there's a chance for Tennessee to come out and take this as a chance to punch Kentucky in the mouth. Well, here's the thing. like Tennessee's got no, no choice right now, and I, and I keep up with bracketology and after Tennessee's loss to South Carolina, which kudos to South Carolina, they played really well. Tennessee shot under 40% inside of 15 feet. Uh, they were, I think, 12 of 26 inside of 15 feet. Right. Uh, Tennessee Tennessee held South Carolina to 32% shooting on the night. Uh, I think South Carolina made nine baskets, nine field goals in the second half. Eight of them were threes. And like, it's just, you know... You you hold your you hold your opponent to thirty two percent shooting from the field, but they make eight out of their nine field goals in the second half as threes, and on top of that, Tennessee shot thirty three point six percent, and you're sitting there going, Tennessee missed 
they also shot like 50% from the foul line too. So there were eight points left out on the court on the foul line. Don't expect you to get all eight of those and shoot 100%, but if you shoot your, your team average of 80%, you're going to get four of those. Um, so there's four points left out there. And then, like I said, inside of 15 feet. So 15 feet is from the foul line in. From 15 feet, they were 12 to 26. Right. Like you should be shooting 60%. I mean, there was one time when our big man who, who was shooting 60% from the field, he doinked a five-footer, got the rebound, doinked the putback, got the rebound again, and then not only did he miss, like he hit the backboard, but it went across the backboard and onto the other side without ever touching the rim. And South Carolina gets the rebound, goes down, and hits a transition three. Right. Well, and, and South Carolina's getting no love. They're not even ranked. They're 18-3. and three. They're 18-3 and three with um, beating Kentucky and Tennessee. Right. So we'll see what happens there. Just to hit really quick, um, we've spoke about Kansas. <laughs> so speaking about Kansas, really quick on the Big 12. Um, I'll be separation Saturday um, in the Big 12 too, huh? You have uh, – Big 12 has turned into nothing but a basketball conference. You have Houston number because four. they come in. Uh, they're number four. They're – Six and two in the con, but nineteen and two overall. Iowa State and then Texas Tech are the top three. You have TCU ranked at twenty-five and Baylor ranked in Oklahoma State or Oklahoma. Um, now in that I missed KU. The best thing about that is the snake bitten Mountaineers at home took out the Jayhawks, which was pretty nice with Battle and Subnick. Um, having huge nights. Um, I, I want to say that you can tell me if I'm wrong or not. West Virginia has not put a full team on the court yet. With West Virginia going on the court with Battle and Subnick, and um, I just went blank on his name, our center from Syracuse, they're a tournament team. They're not a Sweet 16 team, but they could make the tournament. But because of everything that went down in the beginning, I don't know if they make it. No, I mean, they're going to have to win out and probably make it to the Big 12 Tournament Championship game. Which is probably not going to happen because we're probably going to hit Houston before that ever gets there. Right. Um, but that, you know, if they can if they can knock off a Houston in the Big 12 Tournament to yeah. get to the semifinals or the championship game after running the table, they're going to have to run the table. Right. Um, or you have to win the championship. The or, you have to championship. Win the or you have to win the tournament, the conference tournament, to get the automatic bid. Um, but, it, it, you know, if they got an opportunity to get a big quad one win against a potential one seed while also running the table. Right. Um, or not running the table, but getting some really big away from home wins. Yeah. They've got to protect their home court and they've got to when they have an opportunity to get a quad one or quad two win on the road, they have to do it. Beating Oklahoma State the other night would have helped, and we gave it up in the last seconds, and that's yes. their only conference win. Um, which is which is the that's the road game you you kind of bank on to get. Yeah, yeah, and, and that didn't happen. So now that we've got there, 
if the tournament was today, who are you taking overall in the? In who's going to be your final two? In the Big Twelve? No, just period. Oh, the final two in 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 basketball. Jeez, I mean, are you? Can you really pick against Purdue? Well, what I was going to say, my two are the Tar Heels and the Boilermakers. Well, I'm not taking UNC. You just hate us, and that's okay. I understand why. Well, there's a lot of reasons. (laughs) That's his Honecker rant. (laughs) Yeah, well, I could really rant on some UNC. (laughs) But uh, I'll I'll leave that for another time. (laughs) I mean, it'd be tough to pick against Purdue. It would just be – it'd be interesting to see if it if it comes down to the difference between – does Purdue have to play Houston in the national semifinals? Because Houston's the defense that could that could bog them down. It's just getting um, easy. Because in, in Tennessee was – they got beat by Purdue earlier in the season by one possession. It was 71-69. And it was a rock fight. That's the same kind of that's the same kind of game that Houston can play. It's also the same kind of game that Northwestern plays. And Northwestern is one of Purdue's losses and Northwestern almost got them again. Right. So there there's something that gives Purdue problems and to get to the national championship game, it'll be does Purdue have to run into a team that mimics a Houston, like uh, just a rock fight, you know, drag it out half court kind of deal as opposed to running up and down because Purdue's got guards, young guards, and they've got a big man that runs and is just unstoppable. It it was Purdue's to lose last year, and they Mm -hmm. lost it. Yeah. And are we in the same boat? Well, it was – Okay, if we're going to take that boat, it was UVA's to win one year and they lost it. Yeah. And they come back the next year and win it. Correct. Is Purdue going to do the same thing? Right. And, and it'd be a mirror image of what happened. Yeah. Um, with you uh, with UVA. So I think it's I think it's Purdue's to lose it. I, I'm. It would be tough for me to pick against Purdue getting there, but if. If Purdue has to play someone like Tennessee that's okay with being in a rock fight, you know, having to play against a Houston team, you know, in the national semifinal game, um, in the final four, then I might think twice about it. But I'm at least going to take Purdue, and then, you know, there's there's a handful of teams out there, you know, outside of Purdue, I mean, UConn's right there. I don't know if you – I mean, it'd be interesting to see if they can repeat what they did last year. It's hard to repeat in college basketball. Right. So I'm going to take Purdue not knowing, you know, what the tournament would lay out and looking at matchups because I think matchups are the biggest thing in college basketball. Can you impose your will? Or are you able to play different types of basketball? Can you play a half-court, you know – rock fight game like UVA plays and are you able to play uh, you know up and down basketball game like 
um, Alabama plays. Right. So, you know, it'd be, I'll take Purdue uh, and, and probably, you know, take someone, you know, in, in basketball, I just feel like there's always just a team that you don't expect to be there. Right. It'd be like a like an Arizona. <laughs> you know, they get hot. They're the number five overall seed in Joe Lenardi's bracketology, his latest one. Like, they could get hot, go on a run, mm-hmm. get favorable matchups all the way through, right. and just win. Um, or you could find an eight seed, you know, like, a, you know, something weird like a Mississippi State. Or a VCU, well, you know, a George Mason who's, um, you know, a top 150 net, but they win the CAA and make it in, and they, you know. But then you have the coach that when he was the little man, you always had to watch for. He comes to a big conference in middle of the pack, which I think the team he went to didn't help him at all. But I never put anything past Shaka. I mean, Marquette sitting there in the top ten. I mean, they proved they could do it earlier in the season. They beat Kansas. Right. And then uh, – They could sneak in the back door and go yeah. to the Final Four. Beat Kansas and played Purdue pretty well. Yeah. So, yeah, they could they could definitely get in there. I mean, you could, find, you could get a team that gets hot like Creighton. Um, right. And, and get in there. There's a – I mean, I could sit here and talk forever about mm-hmm. some college basketball. I love college basketball. I mean, um, I had to know more about college basketball because I didn't play it. Right. And, you know, I wasn't a player, so it wasn't just, like, inherent to me, like, what was <laughs> going on. So, I, you know, love it. So, uh, to end on today's podcast, I want to give a shout-out to um, the West Virginia girls. They had two huge shutouts on, um, I think, UCF and Houston to where they didn't score a point in the first quarter. Um, those are unheard of. And then they're playing well for what we have been. And um, there's been a lot of changes to WVU with Huggins out and some other things. So this new coach is doing great. Shout out to the Hokie girls. Uh, they're doing their thing like they did last year with their big run in the tournament, and they continue to do it right now. I think they've lost, what, three games? Something like that. Yeah, and they're still ranked in the top ten. I think eight. I think three at one point in time, but I think they're eight. Yeah, um, they're they're playing they're playing really well right now, and I can't help but think that they're going to make a deep run into – into March too. They know what to do. They, so. they they do know what to do, and it'll be it'll be fun to see. It'll be fun to see if they can uh, continue the magic. So come back for some more basketball next week. Um, where are you going to eat at this week? Oh man, I've already gone to the Happy Goat. I've been twice. Right, and I, I went to Fisher and Company last. Friday night, might try it again. They had, they had some really good food <laughs> at Fisher and Company. So I can't, I can't help but say those. And I'm probably a broken record when it comes to that. But I mean, you can't go wrong. I agree. Um, 
there's three restaurants if you're listening to us. We pick between, so uh, you can't go wrong with any of them. Uh, so we appreciate you listening to us. See you next week. Adios.